in the country. Ken Trahan's original prep football report Friday nights during the football season on 1061 Nash Icon WRKN, Picayune, New Orleans. Good evening and welcome to All Access on 1061 FM Nash Icon at NashFM1061.com. Presented by CrescentCitySports.com, the best sports site in Louisiana. All Access is also presented by the All-State Sugar Bowl, representing the best of amateur athletics. And by Francesca by Katie's, serving up St. Louis-style food with a New Orleans flair. All Access is also brought to you by Lamarck Ford and Lamarck Lincoln in Kenner. By Bergeron Automotive in Metairie. By LifeGate Church in Mandeville and Metairie. By Premier Automotive throughout the New Orleans area. John Curtis Christian School in River Ridge. By Life Resources Ministries with outreaches throughout the New Orleans area and by the RNL Carriers New Orleans Bowl. It's your chance to talk intelligent sports, all sports, all the time. To join in the conversation, call 504-260-1061. Now here's your host, Cumulus New Orleans Sports Director Ken Trahan of CrescentCitySports.com, the Saints Hall of Fame Museum, and the Kenner Star. And a pleasant good evening and welcome to another edition of All Access, the Wednesday night edition here on 106.1 FM. Nash Icon, we're on the web at NashFM1061.com. TuneIn app, yeah, it's there for you anywhere in the world via iHeart to listen in. No excuses. You can even get us at home via Alexa. Just say play WRKN or play Nash Icon 1061 FM. Every show, you can listen to the podcast through CrescentCitySports.com once it's over with, including tonight. And you can always email me at Ken at CrescentCitySports.com. Also, Feel free to call in, 504-260-1061. That's 260-1061 to participate. Later on in the show, the Reverend Deuce Windham of The Athletic on the New Orleans Saints. And the latest, we'll get into the injury front. We'll get into the projections and what's to come with the Giants this week and what's happened to date with Deuce. We'll also touch on Tulane a little bit later as they embark on their American Athletic Conference schedule on the road at East Carolina. The Pelicans, yes, we'll touch on that too. All kumbaya at this stage, right? Stay tuned. But we'll get started by talking about the LSU Tigers, who have a big home game at night against Auburn at Tiger Stadium this Saturday night. Hey, they're 1-0 in the conference, right? So there's that. And there's some positives about some players returning as well. Joining us to break it down and not only welcoming him to the show, but welcoming him to a new position which you'll do a fine job at on the LSU beat for USA Today. And, of course, spent a significant amount of time most recently at the New Star in Monroe and always enjoyed having him help out with our original prep football report, which is on throughout the state on Friday nights. Now we talk purple and gold with Adam Hunsucker. Adam, great to have you with us. Welcome and congratulations. Appreciate that, Ken. It's good, good talking with you. I think this is the first time uh, you and I have talked on this show. Now, of course, I'm a, a, we're a veteran of the, of, the, of the Friday Night Wars over the years. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's an exciting time. It's a little, uh, little, little transition, trying to feel like I'm playing catch-up a little bit. But um, it's going to be fun being down there, being around this program, and um, you know, seeing, uh, seeing what comes to this year. I mean, t- timing-wise, I mean, I'm, I picked a heck of a time, I'm sure. Well, you got that right. I mean, you jumped uh, feet first into the fire because there's so much <laughs> happening with LSU, and some people feel there's a little bit of a smoldering fire around at Ogeron. We'll see. You'll get your feeling about that once you spend more time on the beat. 
Uh, the Wolves disappear for a week after they beat Mississippi State. Last week, you've been on the beat this week in covering press conferences and such. And, and so we learn a few things of interest. We learn that they will get two players back who have been academically ineligible previously. They won't get the other back in John Emery. So I guess the first question is, and look, you've been covering high school for a long time. It, it seems a little bit peculiar that you would have players academically ineligible starting the fall semester. That doesn't happen very much, does it? No, and it really doesn't happen there. And when you think of a program like LSU and the, just the amount of money and resources that are put into compliance, because you know to be, that, to be that caliber of program that LSU wants to be to compete in the SEC and compete on the national stage, you've got to have that. And you know, it, it, really, it really is odd how this, how this has gone, and it makes you um, – and, of course, you know, there's some behind-the-scenes rumbling about it, nothing concrete at this point, but it makes you wonder what's really going on because this goes beyond, you know, coaching or anything that Ed Orgeron does. This goes into your, to your compliance and how, and how that's going academically between, um, you know, the front end of the university, so to speak, and the athletic department. So, you know, and particularly the John Emery case, um, that's somebody that this team was counting on this year. He was, you know, their second most experienced back coming in uh, behind um, Ty Davis Price. He, was, he had a chance to be a starter, and you know, because that they really had to, throw, they really had to throw those freshmen in there just to try to, you know, find some semblance of a running game. I don't know that's necessarily on the backs per se. I'm sure we'll get to that in this discussion, but mm-hmm. you know, these, these are the kind of stuff. If you if LSU wants to be if LSU wants to be a big boy and compete for a national championship and uh, be, you know push for the top of the SEC, you can't have things like this. No, I, I just found it to be very peculiar. I thought it was obviously uh, not good on any level, and I agree with you. I think it's a massive issue of compliance. Some people have questioned the integrity of the student-athletes. Look, John Trey Kirkland is returning. We know him from Lutcher. Uh, Sonny Fanua is returning as well. But, uh, again, this is part of the reason that there's been a little bit of smoke regarding the Ed Ogeron regime, because it's been a little bit of everything. It's been losing. It's been the off-the-field issues. It's been the, the Darius Geis situation. It's been the, the NCAA imposing sanctions recruiting-wise. Uh, of course, the season last year that didn't go well. Now you've got guys that are academically ineligible, and you turn over coaches left and right. Uh, it's and we're not sounding the death knell at all. Ogeron has earned mulligans. He deserves them based upon what he's accomplished there. And yet, it's amazing we're having this discussion just a year and a half removed from a national championship. Well, and, and since I've joined, uh, joined this beat and been covered, that's, that's really the thing that's inter- that I found fascinating. Is it's almost like 2019 never happened from, the, from just from the outside perception. And, you know, Ed Orgeron catches some heat, you know, from the fan base and everything. But, you know, that's, you're right. That is a laundry list of things. And, you know, I want to be clear about this. I'm not going to be – I'm not, not trying to, you know, minimize or be insensitive to, to, the, uh, to the alleged victims that are going on with all this Title IX mess that LSU's trying to clear up. So, with that being said, at the same time, unfortunately, in, you know, today's, today's age of, co- of college athletics and the amount of money that's involved in this thing, that stuff is not really going to – I don't think it's going to affect Ed Orgeron that much at this point unless they start losing some more games. Those are the kind of things that when you lose, 
it, they, they all of a sudden, you know, it brings new life into them and they get pushed to the forefront where they wouldn't have before if you were winning because at the end of the day, everybody wants to win and nobody's going to sacrifice that if they don't have to. But, 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 but to your point, you know, it's, I, I do think that there is a divide amongst, L, amongst LSU people on whether Ed deserves a mulligan or not. I think you have, you know, the older sect that remember Curly Holman. They remember Jerry DiNardo and some of those lean years, and they're willing to be more patient with things. And then you've got, you know, the younger alumni that are, you know, around my age. I'm 36 years old. And all they really know is Nick Saban through to where we are now. And they're, and they're a little less patient with this thing. So, you know, and it's, you know, whether fair or not, I do believe this is going to be a week to week thing for the, for the rest of the season. I mean, maybe, maybe the only games that will not have bearing on, on Orgeron's future are Alabama and ULM. And, you know, the Alabama one is debatable because that is the measuring stick for not only this league, but for FBS and then just ULM, it shouldn't be a problem. So I mean, this, this could go a lot of different ways, and it's just and so I wrote a column this weekend, and after the Mississippi State win, that folks need to enjoy that because really nothing's guaranteed going forward. Visiting with Adam Sucker of USA Today, talking about the LSU Tigers and their beat. So just because you just started on the beat doesn't mean you haven't been watching and paying attention. I know you have, and one of the most interesting aspects of the LSU football program is the fact that Ed Ogeron is known to be a very good recruiter. And LSU's recruiting classes have been top 10 basically every year since he's been at the helm of the program. And many of those players haven't translated at the college level to being those type of players. So people ask me all the time, is it misevaluation? Were the guys overrated? Is it player development? Uh, Or is it coaching? And my answer is probably a little bit of everything. Uh, They've turned over coaches so much that continuity has certainly been a bit of an issue. Uh, the, the star rating system, as you know, uh, is flawed, and there are players, and I know you've seen them too in northeast Louisiana. I've seen players that LSU has signed without naming names from south Louisiana that I've watched and done games for, and I scratched my head and wondered why they were so highly rated. So I think that's part of it, but I also think player development is part of it. Uh, how do you see that situation? Is it simply a matter of, not having good enough players or not developing players or both? Well, for, you know, to start, when it, come, when it comes to, to misevaluation, here's the thing, you know, to consider with that is if you go back and you, look at, and you look at the players on this roster, go look and see where else they had offers from. So if it's a misevaluation, then there's a lot of programs around the country that are missing on, on some of these. But, but I think um, – I would say I think, I, think it's more, I think it's more of a development issue at this point um, – Particularly, and this is the area I've noticed the most since you know I've been really dove into this thing is is, is the offensive line, and you know everyone will say, well they're 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 beat up, uh, they haven't had any any real continuity because of that all season, but it just kind of makes you wonder how good they are up, up front talent wise because, and that's the thing I think Auburn could possibly expose on Saturday night in Tiger Stadium is it's going to be really really tough. Unless they can find some find some, a way to not only run the football but be a little be a little bit better in pass protection and all around, that's something that Ed mentioned to us in, in the press conference this week. And you know, when you look at kind of what the narrative is around this season, whether it be hiring Jake Peets, bringing Durante Jones, and this, I mean, the whole narrative has been turning back the clock to 2019 and trying to get back to doing you know those some of the things schematically that 
you know, really made that thing take off in that national championship season. But here's the problem with that, too. Um, when you go back and look at the, at, at the, at the Joe Burrow offense, you know, a, a big part of it was they were able to run five-man protections and get five guys out in the route. You think about how many times Clyde Edwards-Hilaire would catch a little flare pass and turn it into a big play, things like that. But they're not able to do that right now because this line cannot hold up at a five-man protection. So you got to keep backs and tight ends in, and that limits the kind of the options that are going to be available to Max Johnson. And, you know, it's, it, it's tough to be that explosive when you have to do that. So, so do, do, I think, do I think it's missed evaluation? Um, no, because when you look at some of the other programs that are, that are offering, offering these players coming out of high school, now, of course, there are exceptions to that, but I think there's a real, I think there's a real development issue going on. I would, um, maybe, maybe it's strength and conditioning. I mean, Tommy Moffat's one of the best in the country. But, you know, Brad Davis comes in, um, comes in as offensive line coach. you got another, another new, uh, a new offensive coordinator. Just new coaches all around, and that type of churn, I mean, Alabama is able to do uh, pull that off, but it, it's really it's really tough sledding when you're just starting, you know, with new personalities and sometimes new schemes every year. Yeah, the continuity has obviously been an issue, and Alabama does it because they got the greatest coach in the history of college football, and somehow he manages to do this <laughs> there, there on an annual that. basis. Yeah, so there is that. So I, I separate him and I separate them out in any discussion because it's simply not fair to draw comparisons, but. Where this team is, look, I think they've got good receivers. I think the quarterback is good. I think their defensive line is pretty good. I think their secondary, when healthy, is pretty good. I question their linebackers. And, of course, as you mentioned, their offensive line, a huge question. So it's not a team devoid of talent. They've got talent. The problem is they're in a league and they're in a division that's ridiculously good. Mississippi State is clearly the worst team in the West after LSU beat them. Arkansas is a top 20 team now. And then we know what Ole Miss is, just terrific offensively and much better defensively. And, and then you look at the other teams in the West. Auburn is certainly still top 25 caliber. We'll talk about them in a moment. We know what Alabama is. I mean, the point is that the West and Texas A&M, although maybe overrated, is still pretty good. So it's a tough division. And – to be competitive and to be able to win, you've got to have the right players and the right coaches. So when you turn the, the clock to Auburn, the discussion's obviously going to start at quarterback and whether Finley gets the nod or not. My guess is Bo Nix does, but that Finley will be there and ready to go and maybe we'll get into the game. Any thoughts about that? I, I kind of lead, lead, to, lead towards the – same opinion as you. I think Bo Nix will start. However, I do think T.J. Finley will play. And here's the thing you got to remember about Brian Harson, Auburn's new coach. He came from Boise, and I think there's kind of a misconception among folks, you know, in our neck of the woods and down here in the South about what Boise is. Okay, you know, they, they think you know Boise is some kind of you know, they do run some trick plays and some kind of spread heavy, chunk it around outfit. No, no, that is a that is a downhill physical running offense. That's what they like to do. But there is a trickeration element into it. So I would not be surprised if Brian Harson has some kind of package for T.J. Finley to try to catch LSU off guard. You know, Boise's, I mean, Boise, excuse me, Auburn's been pretty vanilla outside the Penn State game. Haven't shown a whole lot. That's by design. They, they realize that this is their opportunity to make, maybe catch some folks sleeping as to what they could see from this offense. And I think, I think, that's, what, I think that's what they're doing. So 
if LSU is preparing for both quarterbacks. Um, Ed doesn't think there'll be that much change, whether it's Bo Nix or TJ Finley, into what they're going to do. I don't know that I necessarily agree with that, but we'll, we'll see. But I do know who are whoever's in there at quarterback. I think we're going to see a lot, lot of, a uh, lot of Tank Bisbee Saturday night. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting. Look, we all like TJ Finley, and we pull for him. And and sorry to see him gone from LSU, and yet I I certainly agree with the decision that Ed Ogeron made. Uh, Finley was going to be the third quarterback here if Miles Brennan was healthy, which of course. He turned out not to be. And Max Johnson, I think, earned the opportunity based on his outstanding performance in those two games at the end of the season last year with a greatly diminished squad around him. So I had no problem with that. And by the way, your thoughts about Jack Johnson, too, because, look, he's played well. He hasn't played great, but he's played well. And I think he's progressed and, and really gotten better pretty much game to game. He has. And here, here's the thing. Like, it, it's the, the way this offense is not is not dynamic right now for LSU, and that's going to make it tougher on the quarterback. And when I say dynamic, I don't mean they don't have speed and talent or anything like that. What I mean is they have yet to show the ability to do anything, you know, explosively, other than throw it to Kayshawn Bajay. That's I mean that's 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 been the big thing. There's been no semblance of there's been no semblance of a running game. And while I think, you know, you look at Deion Smith, you look at, you know, Brian Thomas Jr., you got some talent at wide receiver, but they're fresh. So, I mean, it's going to take them a while to get acclimated. So there's a lot on, there's, there's a lot on Max, Max Johnson to Kayshawn Butte's shoulders right now. So, and, and the best thing that can happen for Max is for some of these other guys to play themselves into bigger roles. And, you know, for LSU to figure out some way to at least keep people respectable with the run. But all things considered, I don't. I don't think there's really there's there's really much much criticism for Max right now because he, you know, with with limited options, he's he, he's making this thing work. And if you go look at the conference statistics, you know, LSU is a bad offense. No, he's he, again the numbers are very good, and I think he's been good, not great, but good. And I think he's gotten better. He has no running game. I do like the young running backs. Uh, again, it doesn't make any difference if you have nowhere to run. But I do like the young running backs, and I do like the receivers. Palmer's good, too, to go along with, as you mentioned, Deion Smith and Thomas. So they've got a good core there. And I think that you know their recruiting class right now has five offensive line commits for 2022. I've said it for weeks now. They ought to sign eight to ten offensive linemen. I mean, to be in the position they're in up front on offense is, is really inexcusable. They don't have one quality player up front. I mean, let's face it. They might have an average player or two, and, and that's pretty much the extent of it. And to be caught in that position is remarkable, especially when they had virtually all coming back. Rosenthal did leave, but the others all returned. So be careful what you wish for. They returned, and it doesn't appear that they're any better. No, it doesn't. I think that's been, I think that's the big, been the biggest shot to me as I've really you know, dove into this team and watched them more, more with, a, with a closer eye over the past couple of weeks. It's just, it's just that. And – I think I think you're right about the number of offensive linemen they should sign. Not only that, I think a bunch of them are going to play next year. Like, and I will say I'm a little biased with this because I have you know been around this kid since he was in junior high. But I think Will Campbell's going to play this next year and going to play a lot. So you know you're, you're going to you're going to have to hope that one of two things happens: either all these either all these freshmen come in here and they're ready to go from the outset, which is going to be tough sledding, or 
you know, maybe there's some kind of, you know, develop more development that goes on in the off season with, with what they got and um, that, that things improve because I think you're exactly right. Not only in the SEC, but especially in the, in the SEC West. If you can't move people, you're, you're going, you're, you're going to have a bad time. Yeah, and then, of course, the other option to be able to deliver is to go to the transfer portal, and that's an obvious way to solve some problems. Now, they did that with Shanahan, and with all due respect, he's okay, but that's about it. And, again, you're getting a player from the Ivy League. So uh, the transfer portal does have players with talent that want to play a fifth year somewhere or they're not satisfied with where they are. Uh, so there's always that possibility, just like LSU lost Rosenthal. So I think that's another way to enhance this situation. Yeah, and it's probably something they should look into because there's a cautionary tale right now with another team that is a recent national champion that has very high expectations uh, with their program and is also struggling up front, and that would be the Clemson Tigers. When you look, when you look at them, um, they, they've got problems on the O line, and um, Clemson is a different type of deal. They don't take guys; they don't take transfers. Like they don't really take guys from the portal. That's not something that Dabo Swinney does. It's a completely different system of talent acquisition of what they do. So, I mean, LSU could look at that and say, you know, if we if we stand pat, we run that risk ourselves. I think that they will hit the transfer portal. I wouldn't be surprised if it's more than one. But I do think they just need to sign as many as they possibly can. So at this juncture on Wednesday, how do you see this game with Auburn? I mean, Auburn just absolutely trashed LSU last year. I watched the game at Auburn, just physically destroyed them. And that's where Finley went, took a major step backwards. But again, he didn't have much support. So uh, that was at Auburn. LSU has not lost at home to Auburn since 1999. So how do you see this one? And you know, I didn't even realize that statistic until I looked it up today. That's that's one of the more you know impressive impressive streaks in the country. Honestly, when you think about what's what's come through what's come through Auburn Auburn over that span. But you know, again, like I said earlier, I think these are all fifty fifty games, pretty pretty much. And that and that's what this is. If I was um, if if I was LSU, I would be re- I would be really concerned on, um, on on both lines of scrimmage. Now LSU's defensive line, I think, I think they, I think they will play well. You know, they they have most of the year, and I think they'll, um, I think they'll more than hold their own with Auburn's offensive line. But again, you know, I think we've been talking about LSU's offensive line for most of this conversation. It's going to be holding up against that because, you know, statistically, I mean, the, the statistics for Auburn's defense aren't quite as impressive as what UCLA's done. But I think Auburn's way more talented, so it, it's going to be. Not it's going to be. Now you don't have to go out there and run for two hundred yards, but just finding a way to get some creases for these backs, and then keeping Max Johnson upright. Which you know, Derek Mason, Auburn's new defensive coordinator, and the former Vanderbilt coach, was one of the more respected defensive minds in the country. I mean, I think that maybe get lost because you look at his head coaching record and you know take that with a grain of salt. The man was at Vanderbilt, but he was the guy that when he was at Stanford for David Shaw kind of came up with the blueprint to stop the Chip Kelly version of Orr. I mean, he was the one that really figured it out. So this is a sharp guy who knows, you know, how to team up what he has. So I, I think he could go either way. I'd say my gut feeling with it, with the, the X factor here being the first, real, what I would even call the first real true night game at Death Valley since 2019. It's going to be full capacity. It's an 8 p.m. kickoff. 
you know, Ed already cautioned the fans about pacing themselves during tailgate. It's going to be my first one. I'm, I'm really, really, really looking forward to seeing how that goes. But I think Tiger Stadium will be the X factor, and LSU finds a way to, uh, yeah, finds a way to sweep out a win. Well, it's a win they have to have. I mean, again, we said that last week, but they have to win this game, right? Oh, they have to win. I mean, really, like I said, it's week to week. They have to win win most of them, honestly. I think this this three-game stretch that began at Mississippi State, Auburn, and at Kentucky, you got to have those three, no question. You know, Florida, I think, is a little bit better put together than I expected them to be after everything they lost last year. So that'll be that'll be another tough one as well, but... I really think these, these next three for sure are ones they have to have. About two minutes left with Adam Hunsucker of USA Today. Does Ole Miss have a real shot at Alabama? I think they're a, I think they're a live underdog here. I'm never going to pick against Alabama, but I've equated this Ole Miss team this year to the LSU team of 2019. They're much improved on defense Ooh. and offense. They have all the, all the talent in the world, and, and they've been unstoppable, really were not were unstoppable last year i'm not saying they're as good as lsu was in 2019 but i think there are a lot of similarities you think they have any shot in this game i think they can make it interesting but ultimately alabama's going to win i don't i don't doubt that for one second it may even be a little bit like that like that game last year was as crazy as it got but here's what i want to see from Ole Miss, and especially from uh you know from from a lane kiffin program because you know, for all the fun that Lane Kiffin is, fun office, fun on the field, fun on social media, off media, and all that, we we have not we all we've seen from them so far is to be put a really entertaining product on the field that whether whether win or lose, it's going to be entertaining. But they're really not winning to you know I guess to kind of the level that you know the um, you know that the attention around that program dictates. So it's it, it, it's almost getting put up or shut up. I want to see. You know, if this Lane Kiffin Ole Miss experiment really has legs, or if this is just going to be, you know, the fun team everybody likes to watch when they're on TV because you know they're going to score a lot of points. No, I think they've got to prove it too. I think their defense has definitely improved based upon what we've seen this year. How much improved? Well, I guess we're going to find that out pretty soon now. So looking forward to seeing what transpires in that one too. And of course, he's now at USA Today covering LSU. And we encourage you to follow him. You can follow him on Twitter at Adam underscore Huntsucker. And, of course, you can read his work on a regular basis now, too, covering LSU. And you'll find out how fanatical these fans are in a hurry. I'm sure you've already discovered that. Well, I'm looking forward to it. But, I mean, I'm a graduate of another SEC institution that does not exactly have the best relationship with perception or reality. So I'm sure I'll, I'm sure I'll, I'll fit right in. So it'll be, it'll, it'll be a, it'll, ours will be a, be that type of relationship and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. We don't have any mountains or Rockies here. It's a little bit of a different deal. So that's for sure. No, it's but, a little different than Knoxville. <laughs> Adam, listen, thank you. Keep up the good work. We'll talk again soon. Absolutely. Ken. Enjoyed it. Okay. You got it. Adam Hunsucker, USA Today. All right, it's 504-260-1061. That's 260-1061. Later on, we'll touch on Tulane and the Pelicans. But when we return following a brief timeout, we'll talk about the New Orleans Saints with Deuce Windham of The Athletic. Glad you're with us on this Wednesday night. Ken Trahan, All Access, back in a moment here on 106.1 FM, Nash Icon, and on the web at nashfm1061.com. 
Marty McFly Mornings, the best country for the North Shore all day. And the conversations New Orleans are having every afternoon happens on 1061 Nash Icon and online anytime at NashFM1061.com. Create your trademark style at Macy's VIP sale with an extra 30% off the latest fall arrivals and all the brands you love with your coupon or Macy's card. And get 15% off your go-to beauty picks and the newest in skincare, makeup, fragrance, and more. Now at Macy's. Plus, Macy's Star Rewards members can earn on every purchase except gift cards, services, and fees. More at Macy's.com slash Star Rewards. Savings off regular sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply. Did you know that United Healthcare helps connect you to doctors and therapists with 24-7 access to virtual care? So I could have therapy from my couch? Yep. Or a doctor appointment for my car? If you wanted to. Wait, you're right. I don't even like when people see me sing in the car. Couch appointment it is. Virtual visits are just one of the ways United Healthcare helps connect you to better health. Learn more at UHC.com. Plan benefits may vary. Hi, Eric Ash with celebrity chef Scott Craig of Katie. Scott, you have to be excited about Katie's expanded second floor seating and private dining rooms. Yeah, but how about my vast local sports knowledge? You know sports, but shouldn't we be talking about your award-winning Sunday brunch? I'd rather talk about the Saints and the Pels. How about your award-winning pizza or daily specials? How about them Saints? I admit you have a great take on local sports, but what about Katie's award-winning menu? Okay, folks, I invite you to dine at Katie's. Eric and I don't have to brag about the food at Katie's. The food speaks for itself. Katie's open seven days a week in the heart of Mid-City at 3701 Apple from your daily routine with Vicks Vapo Bath or Vicks Vapo Shower and let those soothing Vicks Vapors help you relax. <sighs> Enjoy a Vicks Vapo moment wherever you choose. Look for Vicks Vapo Bath and Vicks Vapo Shower in a store near you. This report is sponsored by Macy's. Create your trademark style at Macy's VIP sale with big savings on the latest fall arrivals and great deals on your go-to beauty picks, fragrances, and more. Plus, Star Rewards members earn on every purchase except gift card services and fees. More at Macy's.com slash Star Rewards. I'm Ken Trahan. Welcome to your daily sports report presented by CrescentCitySports.com. The New Orleans Saints are back at practice in preparation for Sunday's home game with the New York Giants. Giants. That is, of course, the first regular season game of the season at Caesar Superdome and the first game with a full house of fans since 2019. After attempting to trade nine-year veteran linebacker Jamie Collins, the Detroit Lions released him Tuesday. College football Auburn coach Brian Harson remains mum on who his starting quarterback will be Saturday night in Tiger Stadium. T.J. Finley of Ponchatoula, who left LSU for Auburn, led the War Eagles to a come-from-behind win over Georgia State last week after starter Bo Nix struggled. High school football news, sophomore safety Corn Robotham of North Shore is the RNL Carriers New Orleans Bowl, Greater New Orleans Quarterback Club, Nash Icon 106.1 FM, and CrescentCitySports.com. Prep player of the week for last week's games. Robotham intercepted three passes, returning them for 115 yards. He had a pass broken up and made six tackles as North Shore beat Mandeville 20-8, the first win for the Panthers over the Skippers since 2005. For these stories and more, visit CrescentCitySports.com. Have a blessed day and be a good sport. For CrescentCitySports.com, I'm Ken Trahan. Now's the time. What's on your mind? Time to express your thoughts by calling Ken Trahan of CrescentCitySports.com and all access on 1061 Nash Icon and at NashFM1061.com. Call 504-260-1061. New Orleans Saints back at practice today in preparation for Sunday's home game with the Giants. Sounds great. Home game. They're coming home finally. Back home in Metairie today for the first time at practice. Now back home in Caesar Superdome with the potential for a full house for the first time since 2019. Joining us to talk about the Saints, gentleman does an outstanding job breaking down video for The Athletic. 
Deuce Wyndham. Deuce, always a pleasure. Welcome, and it's going to be fun Sunday to, to see so many people in the Dome after the strangeness of last year when we covered games, and it was like a funeral. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I mean, and I'm not taking away for those who got to experience it last year, but I mean, you can speak to it as well. It really didn't feel like Saints games last year, even when we did have people in the Dome. So having an opportunity to actually get everybody in there for a season game, I think it's going to be a great experience, you know, not just for those who actually go, but for the city itself. Now, the weirdest thing last year, of course, we sit at the top of the building, right, uh, where, where mm-hmm. media are facilitated, was sitting at the top of that building, and you could actually hear voices on the field. And that was so strange. I mean, it was surreal and clearly uh, provided no home field advantage. So there's that. The team's back in town now, and, and before we talk about the particulars, just your assessment of this team and where it's at right now after three games. Well, I think Drew said it best. Offensively, they don't have an identity. They're working towards that. It's kind of expected. You know, three games in, you're basically rebuilding the offense from scratch. Definitely things that you want to see improve. You know, uh, injuries have kind of taken a toll that you didn't expect with Eric McCoy and now Teron Armstead. Hopefully getting McCoy back in the next couple of weeks right some of that ship. But defensively, they do know who they are, and they've carried on from last year, and they're a top-five defense in the league by every really important metric. So, you know, that uh, they're in a good spot. You're 2-1. and one. You know, we could easily be staring at 0-3, and three, so you've got a positive win record. You've got two very winnable games here. So even though you're finding yourself, you're putting yourself in a good position to go into the bye week with a winning record, and that's kind of what you want to have in any given year. So it's, uh, it's been difficult to watch at times offensively because we're used to Sean Payton leading a very high-scoring attack, but at the same time, you're winning football games. Let's talk, talk about the defense, a positive first. Uh, the defensive tackles have held up quite well. That was a real concern coming in. Uh, still a few weeks to go before Onyemata returns three more games before he comes back. And then they've been good in the secondary other than the Carolina game when they had all the injuries and people missing. And the linebacker level, that's an interesting spot. Demario Davis has been a beast. Uh, Caden Ellis has done a solid job. And Pete Werner, I mean, came out of nowhere. The guy was missing for an enormous amount of time with injury. All of a sudden, he's back, and he's playing, (laughs) and playing much of the game on Sunday. Did that surprise you at all? I had over 30 snaps, and it didn't really surprise me based on just how they've been using all their linebackers coming in to these first three weeks. We're seeing, I wouldn't say more base, but you're seeing a, a nice set of you know two and three linebackers, not as much dime as last year early on. So you're going to have to have more of those guys on the field. Now, when Quan was there week one, that contributed to it. Tried to do that as well with Pete Warner, but you've also seen Caden Ellis, uh, also Zach Baum. Everybody kind of getting snaps, but they came in really finding in camp and preseason that they were very confident in this linebacker room, even though there's young guys who are still adapting, like Bond, who had a good preseason, good camp, but really struggled against Carolina. Pete Warner having a really good 30-ish snap, about how many he had here in this past week against the Patriots. So, it's really good to see from your young guys, and of course, led by a guy who's playing you know, in the top five of his position right now through the first part of the season. Yeah, just a terrific player. Uh, if there's such a thing as underrated, he is. He's unrecognized by many, but he's just terrific in all aspects, and that includes his leadership ability because he's an unquestioned leader on this football team in Demario Davis. First-round pick, Peyton Turner, had some good moments. Of course, he had injury battle, too, before he got on the field, and uh, this is his opportunity uh, with Davenport being out and Davenport being in a contract year. 
I agree. I mean, one tricky thing, and going back watching the tape this past week, you know, you really felt like he probably should have sat this game, and I think they were worried with Davenport out, you know, passing y'all coming off and everything. They weren't real sure. Uh, there was definitely some moments where he was very ginger, couldn't finish his pass rush. I'm curious to see how practice goes for him this week, see if he ends up being a guy that they hold out this weekend. Or if he ends up going full. I mean, the only people who missed practice today were McCoy and Armstead. So, you know, he's had some really nice moments. I think he's really flashed. And Nintendo Passignon has been amazing. You know, he's a guy that I won in the draft, you know, about four years ago. And here we've got mm-hmm. him, Davenport, and then Turner, who are almost all physical replicas of each other. So they've definitely got a mold that they're building there. And they've had a lot of output from it, even sliding guys like Davenport, Tano, and everything inside and letting them rush from like that traditional three tech spot to make up for guys like Sheldon Rankins, you know, departing this off season and then David Onyemata being suspended. That's one of the things I pointed out in my piece after the game was Passignon lining up inside and and he's quite an obstacle to deal with. He got really good push in the game and and just his size makes it difficult for any quarterback to to survey the field and throw over him. So that's an asset to be sure. Deuce Wyndham with us from The Athletic uh, with regard to the offense, it, as you mentioned, it is a work in progress. But I want to start up front because the narrative on Cesar Ruiz was that center was his best position. I don't think we're seeing that based on what I'm looking at and watching the game back and, and even looking at some of the grades he's received. He looked to me to be better off at guard. He's got to play center right now. But with Will Clapp eligible to come back this week, do you think we might see any change up front in this game? I think it's possible. I'm curious to see, you know, how that progresses because Will Clapp was designated to return. So that means they're bringing him back to the roster. Uh, I think with Ruiz, it's, and I hate to be negative to the guy, but really he's performed very, very poorly. And, and this honestly goes back to week one. You know, when he filled in for McCoy, you could tell at that second half, the interior of the offensive line just wasn't doing that good. And it wasn't enough for us to get super worried, but then you saw Carolina take advantage. And, and honestly, what it's coming down to for me is not necessarily technique failure, as in he doesn't know his job. I just don't think they'd be strong enough as a player yet. And, I, and what I mean by that is being very literal. I mean, what both Carolina and New England did is they took a big body and they covered him. And they put a nose tackle right over the top of him, or they put linebackers right in the A-gap, and they gave him contact immediately. And he is consistently losing to that contact, whereas a guard, he's generally not covered. Or if he has somebody, it's in a half-man relationship, as in only half their body is over him. He's got time to find leverage and adjust. Well, right now at center, when they're covering him up, he doesn't have that opportunity. He's getting forcibly attacked from the very beginning. I think he's really struggled with that. McCoy was able to do that very well, and until the Saints show that they can stop that, you're going to have teams continually use it, and you know the Giants would be remiss if they missed that opportunity coming in. So if you're the Saints, you've got to look for, to find a way to fix it, even possibly having Will Clapp play. I think that you still see Ruiz there, but you know we'll, they've got to adjust somehow. Well, you saw what I saw. I mean, that's exactly what I meant by my question, because I, I just did not see very good play on the part of Ruiz at all. Throckmorton, okay. So I guess the thought process would be if Clapp is deemed to be healthy and they feel like he's a better option, do they play him at center or do they play him at right guard? 
Well, I think if you put Clapp in at right guard, you're not really changing anything because I don't think Throckmorton has played poorly. He's had some, has, you know, kind of like yeah. those rookie mistakes where he's getting beat by veterans on stunts and things like that that are kind of tricky, but he's not losing a lot of one-on-one matchups. Now, he's not a very good pulling guard, I'll say that. He's, he's not looked good when he's had to pull. But in terms of just winning one-on-one matchups, he's a big body and he seems to be strong enough to make that happen. So I don't really think that helps. I think if you make a change, it's at center, whether it's Clapp or Ryder that you brought in, if you believe that's the struggle, and then maybe move Ruiz back to right guard. I, I would think that the center spot would be the position that you'd consider Clapp at. I agree with you on that front. Then there's James Hurst, who's going to have to play left tackle now. Look, we got a good sample size of him last year. How well equipped is he to handle the blind side? Well, he's definitely not Jerron Armstead, but I think in terms of some of the signings we've had, he was a very important signing because he's a very quality depth guy. Think of it kind of like Bushrod at the end of his career when he came back and stuff. You know, is he somebody that you want starting 17 games? No, probably not. But, you know, with Armstead having a freak injury, and it seems sadly we say that so often, but with Tony Jones Jr. just running into his elbow and causing an issue, you know, you're going to have to play him. And I mean, he played well. Is he Armstead in terms of the athletic ability when it comes to the run blocking to reach the second level or even against better pass rushers? No, but I think he's a very strong player who has starting experience and is a capable veteran in the league. So it's not something that you're worried as much as you're worried to say Ruiz's and Throck's play in the interior, which that's been more of a concern. Hurst had a strong game going against really talented outside rushers in New England. You know, he had some really nice reps versus Judon in the second half. But, uh, you know, at some point I expect him to lose, but he's still somebody that you can have confidence in. Well, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Armstead at the end of this season. Contract situation obviously is, is being watched very closely. Look, he's a, he's a good guy, good in the locker room, good teammate, very good player. But is he worth a max investment when you look at the enormous number of games he's missed? I mean, you discount his rookie season – he missed two in 2014, three in 2015, nine games in 2016, six in 17 and 18, both. 2019, he stayed healthy, missed one game. In 2020, pretty good, only missed two, but now he's hurt again. And, I mean, at some point, uh, there's the diminishing returns when it comes to missing so many games in terms of investing in a player. Any thoughts? I mean, I agree with you. I think you can't deny his talent. You know, when he is healthy, he's top three at his position, and there's been years where he's arguably the best player. And generally it's him and guys like David Bakhtiari going at who's the better. And now, you know, you can see Bakhtiari having those injury issues, and you kind of worked into Ramchek's contract that if he had to, he can be the future left tackle if you wanted to go that direction. So they've prepared for it. I'll tell you now, I don't believe the Saints have made a decision on whether they're going to, you know, aggressively go after him or they're going to just freely let him test free agency and if he doesn't get massive offers which i would be surprised if he didn't get offers they bring him back i do think they'll offer him a deal and at the same time you did hear the report that they're going to let him test free agency you know i think that it's a little premature to jump to that i think that they're not necessarily worried too much about that yet they're going to let the season play out but you definitely have to take that into account when you're talking about his age you know a guy that's getting 30 plus now and then combine that with injury history, how much money are you willing to invest, especially when, you know, three games in, you're not even sure what your quarterback situation is next year. Mm-hmm. About two or three minutes left would do so. Let's ask about Jameis Winston, obviously. Look, uh, I mean, I watched the tape back on every game, and he's been solid, serviceable. He's been a game manager more than anything else. It's what they've asked him to do, and it's probably the right approach. 
It's obviously that they've coached him to the nth degree about not forcing the ball because he's holding the ball too long and he's, he's taking sacks probably that he normally wouldn't take or sometimes maybe he shouldn't take. And mm-hmm. that's obviously better than the alternative. And yet at some point, uh, the, you know, the, the restriction has to come off. He's got to be able to make plays, right? I agree. There's a, there's a healthy balance for him to find. I think no matter what side of a pro-anti-Jameis argument you're on, because, hey, Saints fans, that you know, we are who we are and we're very passionate in our opinions. One thing that you can't deny is ATDs, two turnovers right now. That's the key if you're looking at Jameis Winston. So he's not playing heavy mistake football. Now, there's definitely missed things, and I pointed out in the film studies we've done so far this week where he's got open reads, Saints giving him four verts, sale concepts, plenty of things that they want him to be aggressive with, simply not pulling the trigger, even when the receiver and the read is there for him to go after it. Now, is there a combination of him not trusting the fact that the person who is open is Marquez Callaway and Juwan Johnson and Taysom Hill, and he, he would prefer to be a Michael Thomas or a Trey Quan, or is it simply he's gotten timid because he doesn't want to throw into a mistake? Whatever the reason is, it's something that he's got to adjust to at the same time. He's three games in as a starter. He's you know less than 80 throws in as the starter for the New Orleans Saints. And in the premier position in the NFL, it takes time. You know, If you go back and look at how Sean Payton started with Drew Brees, they didn't have the defense that was as good as what they have now, and they still had similar games where Drew's throwing 170 yards on 30 attempts. So I think this is normal. You let it progress how it progresses. You slowly work through it, and you hope to see as you get into the second half of the season that you now have that rapport with your receivers. you got the offensive line gelling right, and then now Winston is able to play the type of ball that you want him to play. But it was never going to be a situation where he came out and threw 500 yards, five TDs, and he's suddenly a Hall of Famer under Sean Payton. These are processes that take time, and you simply got to hope that he can work through that. Last but not least, the Giants, I mean, they're just a poor team. On paper, this should be the closest thing to a layup the Saints are going to have this year. But it is the NFL, and it's week to week, and you got to show up. And I just don't see anything that the Giants have that can really hurt the Saints, especially with the Saints' defense playing the way it's playing. I think the, the biggest thing for the Giants coming in is, you know, we've talked about the Saints injury problems. Well, the Giants have had what the Saints have had times two. They've already got about a dozen people on IR, including multiple offensive linemen. You know, some of their premier players that they rely on are currently on the injury report. You know, Saquon Barkley has got now a lingering knee issue that he's probably going to play, but is he 100%? He's definitely not been this super electrifying player you saw coming out of college. You've got Darius Slayton and Sterling Shepard, two of their best receivers, not practicing today, both due to hamstring issues. you got Blake Martinez, one of their linebackers, Ben uh, Breedenson, one of their guards. I mean, Kenny Galladay, their other big receiver, hip injury. They are just getting eat up by the injury bug right now. And from start to finish, the Saints are a more talented team and they're a more healthier team. Same time, it's football. I expect them because I'll tell you this, man, the team was super excited and happy and relieved to be back in New Orleans. I think that they're going to put on a show for the players in the dome for the fans in the dome for everybody they just got to make sure they don't underestimate this team because as Alvin Kamara said they weren't ready to play the Carolina Panthers you got to go in and be ready to play the Giants they should mollywop them but at the same time it's football mollywop I like it you can follow him on Twitter at Rev Deuce Windham outstanding work for the athletic and analyzing video and and we really encourage you to do so Deuce looking always a pleasure keep up the good work we'll talk again soon Thanks for having me, Ken. You got it. 
Brief timeout. It's 504-260-1061. That's 260-1061 to join in the conversation. Tulane Pelicans will touch on both memory return following this brief respite. Back in a moment here on 106.1 FM, Nash Icon and at NashFM1061.com. The pandemic's reminded us we live in a sea of airborne germs that can assault us with every breath. Your nose is the body's first line of defense by helping filter out allergens, bacteria, and viruses before they reach your lungs. But like any air filter, the more clogged up it gets, the less it works. So how do you clean your nose? I'm Martin Hoke, and I didn't invent nasal irrigation. The neti pot's been around thousands of years. But I did invent Navage to make cleaning your nose easy. Navage uses powered suction to flush out mucus and germs that cause congestion, or worse, can make you sick. Over 2 million people use Navage to breathe better, sleep deeper, snore less, and feel healthier without drugs. Navage has over 70,000 online reviews averaging 4.7 stars because it works and it's easy to use. Go to Navage.com or find Navage at Walgreens, CVS, Rite Aid, Bed Bath, and Target. Now available with eucalyptus for a spa-like experience. Navage. N-A-V-A-G-E. Clean nose, healthy life. Unwind from your daily routine with Vicks Vapobath or Vicks Vapo Shower. And let those soothing Vicks Vapors help you relax. <sighs> Enjoy a Vicks Vapo moment wherever you choose. Look for Vicks Vapo Bath and Vicks Vapo Shower in a store near you. Running a business has enough challenges. Finding good employees should be one of them. Cumulus Media New Orleans is here to help you find employees you need now. Contact us today to be part of the Cumulus Top Jobs program by featuring your open jobs online and on the radio. It's easy, affordable, and most of all, it works. Email us today to get started at nolasales at cumulus.com or go online to nolacumuluscares.com. Cumulus Media New Orleans digital and radio solutions that work because your business is our business. CMR Roofing presents Lee Price. Randy Hauser and Colt Ford in concert at the Cajun Dome. Get tickets now for the Raging Country Crawl at RagingCC.com. Sponsored by CMR Roofing. Don't miss Lee Price, Randy Hauser, and Colt Ford. November 7th, benefiting Louisiana hurricane victims. Get tickets now at RagingCC.com. An MF Entertainment production. This report is sponsored by Macy's. Create your trademark style at Macy's VIP sale with big savings on the latest fall arrivals and great deals on your go-to beauty picks, fragrances, and more. Plus, Star Rewards members earn on every purchase except gift card services and fees. More at Macy's.com slash Star Rewards. This is Josh Danzig with Where You At Magazine and WhereYouAt.com for 1061 Nash Icon, presented by Sky Vodka. You, the readers of Where You At Magazine, have voted for the greatest that New Orleans has to offer in dining and more in the 2021 Best of Big Easy contest. And here are the results. For the best restaurant in Metairie in first place is Copeland's. In second is Boulevard. And in third is Drago's. For complete voting results of the 2021 Best of Big Easy contest in dining and more, log on to whereyat.com and click on Best of the Big Easy. And be sure to pick up the latest issue of Whereyat magazine all over town. Cumulus New Orleans. Incredible service and excellent results. New Orleans is always number one with Cumulus Radio and Digital. This is where you get all access. Not just the focus on one or two topics. All sports are on the table with your calls at all times. Join us now by calling 260-1061. Now back to Ken Trahan on 1061 Nash Icon. 
through CrescentCitySports.com and at NashFM1061.com. Tulane with its American Athletic Conference opener at East Carolina this coming Saturday, trying to wash away the disappointment of a poor home opener against UAB where they fell behind 21-0. They couldn't dig themselves out. In a game, they really had to win at home as a favorite, but did not. It just came out flat, and it's still inexplicable. Willie Fritz talking about several issues, talking about the running game, which has not been what you'd like it to be. He said part of it is, you know, the score and, you know, what you can do in that situation. Obviously, that's been part of it. They've been behind quite a bit and had to throw the ball quite a bit. So the score has been part of it, but they've got to get better overall blocking and then their running backs who have just been average to this point. And then as far as the defense is concerned, just not good enough. And Fritz said he was disappointed and incited the fact that he thought his team did a poor job of tackling last week and they have to get better in that regard. Now, Nick Anderson missed the game. So there's that. He's your best player. But you can't put it all on that. And needless to say, that didn't help the cause. But they got to get him back. You know, he did acknowledge that UAB in his mind is a good team. But again, I'll, I'll say it once more. Tulane was at home. Tulane had every mental advantage finally coming home after the hurricane. Should have been sky high. And they're facing a team that they were a slight favorite to beat. And Again, no excuses. Just didn't happen. So they've got to show marked improvement and show it in a hurry. They've got to win this game at East Carolina because if Tulane drops to one and four with at least three, if not four, very difficult opponents remaining, the path to a 500 season, much less a winning season, becomes a narrow one. And that, of course, would be very disappointing and would be a definitive concern. So stay tuned because that's, that's where they're at right now. They're in a must-win situation. You hear that terminology all the time, must-win. And I almost hate to use it. But if you're talking about trying to have a winning season, if you're talking about trying to go to a bowl game again, even if you're talking about 500, this is a game they got to win, in my opinion. So we'll see how they respond. It is a road game. It's against a worthy opponent, but not a great opponent by any stretch. So this is going to be one of those games where Tulane has to step up and show what it's truly capable of doing. Can it reach back and play the way it played against Oklahoma? Look, the second game was almost a throwaway. Yes, they did score points, but again, considering the opposition, you really can't draw much from that game in my estimation. So we'll see if they can find and identity once more on offense and if they can play better on defense because they have to in both phases. It's 504-260-1061. That's 260-1061 if you'd like to join in the conversation. We have one more segment to go. We'll wrap it up with a Pelican comment or two when we continue with more of All Access for a Wednesday night. Ken Trahan with you on 106.1 FM, Nash Icon. We're on the web at Nash FM. 1061.com. Your parents reached for Vicks when you were little. 
Now that you're a parent, Vicks Children's Botanicals Cough Syrup is what you reach for to help soothe coughs and clear mucus without drugs or high fructose corn syrup. That's because it contains natural marshmallow root and ivy leaf to help soothe coughs and clear mucus associated with hoarseness, dryness, and irritants. So look for Vicks Children's Botanicals Cough Syrup, day or night formula. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Exam 4 needs to be sanitized. Mursana's MRI clinic isn't operating at max efficiency. She needs a new certified tech certifiably now. Someone's waiting in room 2 for an ACL scan. Can you handle that? Indeed can help her hire great people fast. I need Indeed. Indeed you do. With Indeed Instant Match, we immediately show you quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed meet your sponsored job description. Visit Indeed.com slash credit and get $75 towards your first sponsored job. Terms and conditions apply. Hi, this is Brent Brough from Aquasteam and ABS. We're a local-owned Louisiana state-licensed mold remediation contractor. We certify that your property is mold-free. We inspect that all the contaminated material has been properly removed. Then we can come in and do our exclusive three-phase decontamination treatment. Your home will be safe and certified and ready for rebuild. The mold certificate package will provide and give you a documented proof that your mortgage companies, buyers, and insurance companies will surely want. Give me a call at 225-753-9151. Don't take my word for it. Go to our website at aquasteamsystems.com and see for yourself. So don't close those walls till you give us a call at 225-753-9151. That's 225-753-9151. Always welcoming intelligent points of view, whether we agree or disagree. Let's have constructive dialogue on All Access with Ken Trahan on 106.1 FM NASH Icon at NASHFM1061.com and through CrescentCitySports.com. Give us a call at 504-260-1061. The New Orleans Pelicans getting ready for the 2021-22 season. Of course, their preseason opener. It's pretty close, folks. It's next week against Minnesota on October the 4th. So it happens very fast. And again, this time of the year, the focus is clearly on football. So there's, in the background, the attention that's paid to basketball and the Pelicans. But it's on you pretty quickly with the preseason opener against Minnesota on October the 4th. Willie Green positive in his post-practice interview today. Herbert Jones working on free throws extensively and shooting a lot of threes. Trey Murphy, a guy that speaks the part and looks the part, I really think he's going to be a good 3 and D player for them. That's a three-point shooter and a good defensive player to understand the terminology. But on top of that, Brandon Ingram, noticeably more sturdy. He's not a wisp. It's not like he's just been a rail, a very thin guy. But, you know, he was... Certainly not a thick guy, but he's thicker. And he should be able to withstand contact better. Maybe be able to enforce himself and get his shot in easier fashion because of that. There's still the issues on the defensive end that must be addressed. He must provide more effort in that regard. The same is true of Zion Williamson, your top two players. Of course, Williamson out. Nothing more to report there. Out indefinitely with a foot injury. Just trying to rehab and get him back. 
at the start of the season when you know if they do get him back, he'll be restricted again in terms of minutes and he'll have to play his way into shape. It is a foot injury, after all. So running around is a problem to get yourself in the kind of shape that you need to be in. Pelicans getting ready again, preseason opener on October the 4th against Minnesota. Our thanks to Deuce Windham of The Athletic for joining us tonight. We also thank Adam Hunsaker on his new beat, the LSU beat for USA Today, for spending time with us, too. I want to remind you that tomorrow night I'll be back with Michael Green of Life Game Ministries on the Life Resources Bottom Line Sports Hour at 6 p.m. We look forward to that, which, of course, comes 